Sustainable California. Connect, engage, and get involved. Here, where nature, people, and science create solutions. Visit uctv.tv slash sustainable-cal. We're familiar with modern California, but native California also has a long tradition of sustainability from which we can gain inspiration and learn. Archaeological data and native oral history provide us with evidence about the types of long-term and short-term challenges that Native people faced. My own archaeological research has included study of one of the most substantial challenges to Native people in California, the introduction of fatal epidemic diseases with European colonization in the Americas. In Yosemite, archaeological data show that at least 30% of the Native population succumbed to fatal illness probably smallpox or measles, prior to non-Native presence in the region. But that decisions Native people made in the wake of that disaster, including temporary relocation to the eastern side of the Sierra and welcoming outsiders into their community, ultimately provided the stability needed to survive and persist to the present day. But we can also see similar decision-making and resilience in the more distant past in response to the types of more gradually unfolding challenges we contend with today, namely population growth and resource shortages. In some areas, large, dense human populations existed, with some sedentary village life and social hierarchy. Elsewhere, populations were smaller, and people moved seasonally from villages and camps to access food resources. In all areas except along the Colorado River, however, Native people were hunter-gatherers, societies that relied on wild rather than domesticated resources for subsistence. Archaeological data indicate that this cultural landscape evolved over time, with significant population increase in Central California beginning about 4,000 years ago, with population increasing in both size and area. For a time, such growth could be accommodated by the fission of groups and expansion into new areas. Ultimately, however, such growth was unsustainable without change in the use of subsistence resources. The problem was that there was an imbalance between population and resources. How did Native people of Central California adjust to these changing circumstances? This type of population crisis was envisioned and discussed by scholars even prior to the Industrial Revolution, most notably by Thomas Malthus in 1798. In Malthus's dire outlook, such crisis of population was solved in one of two ways. Positive checks, such as violence, starvation, or death, that increased the death rate, or preventative checks, such as delayed marriage and sexual abstinence, which decreased the birth rate. That is, population would reach carrying capacity of the environment, and then people would suffer. In contrast, in the 1960s, economist Esther Bozerup suggested that intensification was the solution to such imbalances. That is, changes were made that allowed more food to be acquired from the same amount of land. This may have been accomplished through technological change, for example, the use of fertilizers, pesticides, or genetically modified foods 
in more recent times, or in the distant past with new types of milling or hunting equipment. Another option is the addition of previously underexploited or unutilized resources to the diet. And we see both solutions in the archaeological record of California, technological change and new resources added to the diet in response to population growth. The archaeological record shows that a previously underutilized resource, oak acorns, were added to the diet, and we see the use and development of bedrock mortars to process those acorns. The archaeological record shows that intensification was necessitated by population resource imbalance and that acorns were added despite the fact that they were very time-consuming to process. We're in Yosemite Valley on a wonderful spring morning today beneath Lost Arrow Rock Formation not far from Yosemite Falls. It's a real special place in Yosemite Valley and, and the Southern Sierra. Uh, this place has been occupied by native peoples for thousands of years and they had a, an amazing relationship with this land and the environment, uh, utilizing all of the, the bountiful resources that the land gave. Uh, they always sought opportunities that as the environment changed, they could uh, look at different ways to change their culture or different techniques so that they could sustain life in, in this place. Uh, they, as well as many areas throughout California, Native peoples uh, utilize various techniques to enhance the production of certain plants uh, for food, food production and also for supplies that they needed. This included burning of meadows and utilizing uh, other techniques of tending and pruning to promote the growth of things like oak trees and the acorns. Acorns are usually gathered in the fall. Rotten or damaged acorns are discarded while acorns in good condition are stored in tightly woven granaries or baskets to help keep out bugs and small animals until it's time for the flour to be prepared. The acorn shells are cracked open with a flat rock that fits in the palm of your hand. The shells are thrown away and the shelled nuts are placed into a basket. To prepare the acorn flour, the nuts are placed into a bedrock mortar cup. Mortars are formed through gradual use or intentional striking to shape them to the desired depth. The acorns are milled into a fine meal using a natural cobble or pestle-shaped rock. The ground acorn meal is put in a shallow winnowing basket and gently shaken. The larger, partially milled pieces move to the outside edge of the basket where they can be removed and placed back into the mortar to be more finely milled. Acorns contain a bitter substance called tannic acid, which must be removed through the process of leaching. Baskets or shallow basins dug into the sand were originally used for leaching, but now the finely ground acorn meal is often filtered through a piece of cloth. Clean water is carefully poured over the acorn meal, and the water slowly soaks into and through the meal and through the filter medium, taking the tannic acid with it. This process is repeated many times to remove all the tannins. After the tannic acid is leached out, the flour can be used to make bread, or fresh water can be added to make porridge. Sometimes various greens are added for flavor. We're at Waski Pond at the west end of Yosemite Valley, where in the 1980s we conducted a research project here 
on the paleo reconstruction of this end of the valley. We did a two and a half meter core to look at the pollen samples that were still in these pond sediments and the charcoal, not only to date the core with carbon-14 dating, but also to record the fire history of the area. We were very fortunate in being able to realize a change, a major change from the growth of pine and incense cedar in this area to a sharp change to the production of oaks. That linked with the charcoal samples, we have surmised that that is indicative of the increased use of fire by Aboriginal populations to control their environment and promote the important growth of oak trees. The adoption of acorns as a staple food in the diet is an example of people making decisions to allow for sustainable communities. They invested more time and energy in the production and management of acorn to avoid the catastrophes that Malthus discussed when in the face of population increase. As Bozerup suggested, they found technological solutions through the use of bedrock mortars and the burning of vegetation and added new resources to the diet to avoid those catastrophes. 